Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic Sean Patrick and Jeff Lasseter. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. Uh, listen to the show at all your podcatchers, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, Apple Podcasts. Please go to Apple Podcasts, though, and subscribe to the show and give us a five-star review. We'll read your review on the air. Patreon.com slash CriticsPod is the best way to help support the podcast. And if you want some of our podcast merch, go to TeePublic and search CriticsPod or just go to IHateCritics.net and click on the TeePublic link. Sean, where can people listen, uh, get your reviews? Uh, you can find them at uh, geeks.media and horror.media. I've got the uh, newest uh, horror in the 90s piece going up tomorrow on uh, Tremors, and uh, more to come on that. So uh, check that out at horror.media. And, of course, on, on uh, Twitter, at Podcast Sean. I'm sharing all the stuff there as well. And Jeff, where can people get your art? Uh, JeffLaster.com has all my links. Uh, my Instagram, if you want to go check it out is jeff lassiter l-a-s-s-i-t-e-r pop cult as in pop culture pop cult movies you know so awesome swing over there and give me a follow and hit the like button smash that heart button sorry i'm being <laughs> ridiculous but do that to our youtube channel i don't know where all the buttons are but i'm sure they're somewhere when you're listening if you <laughs> click all those things uh <laughs> I don't know what that link is. Just search Critics Pod on YouTube. Uh, this week. Podcast on, on Amazon Music yet? I don't know. I, it's I, on Am- Apparently, podcasts are now on Amazon Music. I don't know if we are or not. <laughs> we should be on Alexa. I don't know what the difference would I mean, I go to Libsyn, and they everything should be, as far as I can tell, it looks like we're on everything. Well, that's uh, good. But I honestly don't go and check. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get to this week's movies. We'll start with Asteroid City. Asteroid City is the newest film from director Wes Anderson, and uh, it has a cast that would be impossible to name uh, everybody, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll just start with the basics. Uh, Jason Schwartzman, I guess, it would be the star of the film, essentially. Uh, this is a multi-layered story because Asteroid City is both a play within the movie and then it's also a movie. And it's as if Wes Anderson wanted to do both and decided, well, I'm just going to do both. <laughs> I want to film a play, but I also want to make a movie. Uh, so there's this whole meta thing happening throughout the movie where we're going behind the scenes in black and white and seeing the process of the play being written and produced. And then we're going into the actual play itself. But the play itself looks like a movie set in a city called Asteroid City which has all the typical hallmarks of uh, Wes Anderson's style of direction, his cinematography and his production design. And I absolutely adore it. I just love what he does. I don't necessarily like the plot here really doesn't matter so much. Uh, It's about kind of his sense of humor and what he finds funny and the little tiny details about humanity that he finds funny. But part of what, I find so appealing about what Wes Anderson does is just that it's so different from everybody else. Uh, every, I see more movies than any other human being almost like, I just see a lot, a lot, a lot of movies and a lot of them are very typical. They all look kind of the same. Uh, some are very, very good. Some are very, very bad. A lot of them are right down the middle of the majority of them right down the middle. 
And when you see something that is so daring and unique and different from everything else, it just, it, for me at least, it's just so much more appealing. Uh, it just adds something to the experience. And Wes Anderson always does that. He's so distinct. He's so himself. Uh, he has his very own, very specific sense of humor. And he finds and works with people who, whether they understand what he's doing or not, they, they throw themselves into it. They seem to love working for him and throwing themselves into his style and doing what he asks, even if it's straight ahead and you know, monotone <laughs> the whole way through. Like Tom Hanks' performance. I don't know if necessarily Tom Hanks is a Wes Anderson guy, but he's wearing the outfit and he's acting that full monotone and not doing much beyond that. And whether he understands that he's part of the joke or, or is the subject of the joke, questionable. But he's great. He's great in this movie. Everybody is, though. Jason Schwartzman, uh, Scarlett Johansson. I mean, there's so many wonderful things. Edward Norton uh, is in this movie. It's fantastic. Uh, there's a great Brian Cranston uh, part here where he plays the narrator of the play who interrupts the action and, and uh, takes us through the other portion of the movie as well. I, I really love this movie a lot. I love the production design. I love the ideas. I love the alien, which is played by Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> which is like the perfect kind of casting. It, it's kind of played by him. <laughs> kind of. Right. But <laughs> it, it's based upon him. His, the whole physicality of the character is based yeah. on him. And that's just, it's wonderful. I, I love this movie. Did you see it, Jeff? <clears throat> I did. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I really wanted to hate it just because some of his stuff just is, it, it's kind of insufferable to me in a way after I've seen something a couple times, I'm just like, I can't, I just can't do anymore. And then I go and see it. Uh, <laughs> I, at first I was like, Oh, they're going to do it as a, it's a play. And I was really into that for a while, but after a while I thought, I kind of wish it wasn't the play. I kind of wish that it was just the straight ahead movie. Um, Cause I was, I would always just start to get into it and then it would cut away to the black and white uh, creation of the play. And I was, it took me out after a while. Um, although I thought, you know, like Willem Dafoe gave a great performance and he was very Willem Dafoe. Kytel Salford. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. And trust me, I was when they when they did the um, the little miniature of the city. I was checking all that stuff out, and I saw that, and I was like, "Oh, Kytel for Harvey Kytel, okay." And then they actually bring in the character named <laughs> Salzburg Kytel, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, then I didn't expect that." But um, mm -hmm. Adrian Brody, I thought was really good as Schubert Green. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. He just. He's always good, but he there was just something about him this time. Um, there are people that I, I after I went back and like read the cast list, I was like, I don't remember seeing them, but there was just so much and so many little cameos throughout that it was hard to keep track of everybody. Yeah, like Hong Chow just shows up for just a minute. Uh, she plays yeah. Adrian Brody's ex-wife, and it's this very funny exchange, and him just he's just does mm -hmm. shadow boxing, and it's. It, it's just the classic Wes Anderson kind of humor where he's like shadow boxing one of those you know, hit bags that hangs from the ceiling. And there's the actual hit bag is like two feet behind him to the left. And it's like, yeah, what are they doing? 
But it's a funny. Yeah, he's hitting. He's hitting in the window and is standing, is sitting there next to him. And I was like, um, "This is stop, stop doing I just, that." I just look at that and I just, I, it's like one of those delayed reaction laughs where you're like, once you notice what you notice, it, you yeah, just start uh, laughing, and that that happens throughout this movie uh, multiple times. You know, I didn't, I, I, I did not rec- recognize Sophia Lillis. I did not recognize. Um, a, a few people <laughs> that I was just like, wait a minute, that was Sophia Lillis. What's <laughs> going on? Um, I thought that uh, Maya Hawk was great. She is more and more Uma Thurman every single day. Oh, absolutely. To the point where I'm like, I can't see any Ethan Hawk in her anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. <The laughs> I just subplot. see Uma Thurman. Her subplot, and it's such a tiny subplot. She has a romantic subplot in this movie that yeah. is basically played out in just a series of sort of visual scenes where she and this other actor uh, just have this incredible romantic chemistry that is just kind of barely commented upon. He's a, she's a teacher, he's a cowboy and (laughs) they just kind of share these looks and glances and little pieces of conversation. And then they dance together at the end. And it's just lovely. It's a lovely piece Mm -hmm. of romance in just very little time. Yeah. I mean, I really liked 90% of it. After a while, though, I thought they could have dropped the play conceit and it would have, everything would have been great. Yeah, where do you rank it you among didn't see with? It? Yeah, I, I've, I like Royal Tenenbaums a lot, obviously Rushmore, but then I just got Wes Anderson out and I can't tell if movies are any good or not. I just don't pay attention. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm not the audience for it. Uh, I'm not really in that hipster crowd. And so I, it's, and I don't want to sit there and say I hate everything he does. I just it's more just not for me. But where I guess where do you rank it among, you know, his best? I would say for me, like my favorite is still um, um, Moonrise Kingdom. I love Moonrise Kingdom. That's my uh, my, my favorite. Then, uh, you know, I do love Grand Budapest Hotel. French Dispatch is awesome as well. Obviously, the ones you mentioned already. I don't love his animated stuff. That's kind of at the bottom for me mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, Wes Anderson stuff. But this is right up there. I would say right up there with French Dispatch and Grand Budapest Hotel is among my favorite of his work. What about you, Jeff? Um, so I probably would not have seen this if not for the show. Um, because I, after the after the Royal Tenenbaums, I kind of like you, Bob, it was kind of like, okay, this is a little twee for me. Um, so I did not see Moonrise Kingdom. I did not see Grand Budapest Hotel. I, it's, I will probably go back and, and see them at some point, but it, it, it's one of those things where we're seeing this one. I'm like, okay, this is, it's what I expected to a point but I didn't expect the, you know, the alien subplot or anything like that. I just, that just always in my mind seems like it was a little out of his wheelhouse. Um, That said, I, if I hadn't seen this for the show, I probably would have never seen it. And I probably wouldn't go back and watch um, some of the other ones just because I would have been one of those people who says, well, I don't know. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him, but doesn't see it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I won't say I hate them because I, I just I, I mean like I said I, I really love the Royal Tenenbaums the next few after that I had a hard time getting into and then I just yeah, yeah. the Life Aquatic I thought was a little far afield I, mean, <laughs> I, I, did, I love the music in that movie and some of the production choices are, are, are pretty great but I think the story just never really comes together nor does it express his humor at his best uh, but yeah, I, like I said, Moonrise Kingdom is so incredibly underrated, and I love the style of the French Dispatch. Uh, there's a, a sequence there with Owen Wilson on a bike that is just just this piece, this is brilliantly imaginative piece of direction that I'll, that it just stayed with me ever since I saw it. And yeah, this one just feels like the 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 best expression of his sense of humor <laughs> of all of his movies where he's brought his sense of humor forward. This is the one where I think if you want to understand Wes Anderson's style and what he thinks is funny, that's this movie. And that's what I, I love about this. Uh, this is going to be a weird sort of esoteric tangent, but there's this uh, celebrity chef that I like, Marcus Samuelson, who dresses just incredibly. I, and I'm fascinated by what, how he, the way he dresses is such an insight into who he is as a person. And I find that I feel the same way about him that I feel about Wes Anderson is that his movies are such an expression of who he is as a person uh, and the way his mind works. It just fascinates me. I love it so much. Yeah, this is an example, is not an example of I don't like his audience and they annoy me. This is just, you know, because you're right. His movies aren't pretending to be something they're not. They're very much authentic to him and it's a style and it, it, it works for what he's doing. Uh, so I, yeah, I have nothing bad to say. I just, it's more of those, there's only so many hours left in my life. And <laughs> <laughs> Wes Anderson is, uh, I've decided is not part of it. Uh, but that's it. <laughs> it's kind of how I feel about Owen Wilson. Uh, fair. And actually, thank you for bringing up, uh, life aquatic because that's the movie I tried to watch and I could not finish it. And I think that's what kind of put me off him. Honestly, I might be the same because I didn't. I, I've never seen Moonrise Kingdom or The French Dispatch, so and it, and I, I don't know how interested I am to go back. <laughs> you know, we'll see. Uh, but again, it says more about my effort than it does about Wes Anderson. I would like to do Bottle Rocket as a classic one time, uh, sometime in the future. If we made it a class, any of them a classic, I would do it. Uh, you know, I, I I'll give you that much effort. <laughs> <laughs> well, put it on the list. You got my list, right, Sean? Yeah, I'm still waiting for Bob. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'll end up putting movies we've already done, and you'll be like, "We did that already." Uh, okay. A few movies we did already on his. So clearly, he didn't listen to the show, <laughs> or he wanted to talk about his from his perspective. Which instead of what we hit, I don't know. Let's. I'll work on it. I'm a joke, Bob. I know. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did you guys see Elemental? Uh no, no. I, I no, didn't. Oh God, why would I? <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not getting commissions on kids' movies anymore. Re- not regularly, anyway. So works for me. Then is there anything besides no hard feelings that we need to talk about? I did see God is a bullet, uh, and uh, I shared with you guys what my opening line of my review was, uh, which is uh, this movie is a 
flaming turd of a film. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a it's a movie that is just it's it's very grim uh, to the point of being just unbearable. Uh, it's a movie that thinks that being grim and showing all of the worst things that humans can do to other humans is is a great way to demonstrate how bad something is, as if we don't already know that human trafficking is bad and that, you know, harming women, harming minorities, harming people in general is bad. But I'll just give you one thing to illustrate how stupid this movie is. There's a really terrible scene where this guy, uh, the bad main bad guy, pulls out a gun and shoots one of his associates in the head. She's standing like two feet away. He's just pumping bullets into her face and she's still standing while this is happening. Just boom, 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 bullet, bullet, bullet. Eight, ten, twelve bullets into her head. Then he takes the gun and put it in, puts it in the waistband of his pants. That is a first-degree burn. <laughs> I mean, just it's a hot gun barrel against, against the bare skin. I mean, that's just, that's just the stupid, tough guy posturing that this movie does, and it does that all the way through, is that stupid, tough guy posturing, and I really hate it. I hate it a lot, especially since it wastes like a really great main performance. The the young woman who st- who stars in it, whose name is escaping me now, uh, it was in it, it follows. Um, okay, Micah Monroe. Thank you, Micah Monroe. She she delivers a really strong performance here, but the the movie around her is such trash that she simply can't emerge from it. It's really garbage. Well, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's disappointing because I looked at the cast list and. Uh, I mean, aside from what's her face from Mad Men, it looks great. <laughs> January Jones, Jamie Foxx. Yes, thank you. Yeah, January Jones. The war, like the Emma Frost, who is just her entire. She's just frozen. <laughs> All right, then let's move on to No Hard Feelings. No Hard Feelings is directed and written by Gene Stupnitsky and stars uh, Jennifer Lawrence as a. A woman who's uh, named Maddie, who's an Uber driver, who's about to lose her house after she loses her car. Uh, Her car is repossessed, and she needs a new one. Uh, She happens across uh, a Craigslist ad uh, from a couple of rich parents who are offering a car in exchange for somebody to date their son. And by date, they mean to actually have sex with him. Uh, She agrees to do this in exchange for a car, and she meets this young man, and they go through a very various series of of uh, comic exploits that get funnier and funnier throughout uh, this movie, which I found to be completely hysterical from beginning to end. The movie just takes this comic premise and just builds and builds and builds upon it in very unique ways. Jennifer Lawrence has such a unique energy that she brings to this because she's a you know really genuine actress and not necessarily like a comedian. And I think a comedian would approach this role differently than she does. I think she approaches it from more of a, a base reality than a comedian does. And I think that helps to separate this movie from other similar kinds of sex comedies. But also what, what separates it is this kid who is just fantastic at, at uh, providing the human element needed to, you know, to ground the whole story. He is not afraid of sex per se. He's a, he's kind of just been pushed around by the world. He's just kind of a guy who, would like to develop as a human being before he starts that aspect of his life. He's probably the most mature character in many ways of anybody in the movie. While everybody else is thinking, you know, is thinking like a character out of American Pie. He's like <laughs> a more modern character who's who is uh, thinking, you know, I'm not ready to do this, and you guys should understand that I'm just not ready for that aspect of my life. 
And I find that to be refreshing and fascinating and, and well done. I was reading this terrible article in, in the British Vogue where they were basically, I mean, every point that they make about this movie, uh, they called it problematic and uh, about, they say it was about forcing a, a, a child to have sex before they're ready. And it's like, that's, you didn't watch the movie. That's not what's happening here. She is trying to seduce him. She is trying to get him to have sex. But when he says no, she respects it. And, and she's learning from him all the way through a lesson about, you know, being a better person and trying to connect with another human being as opposed to just going after the thing that you want at any cost. And, and that's a lesson that this character has to learn. That's a lesson that his parents have to learn as well. And I think you, if you look at it just from the perspective of her trying to force him to have sex, you're missing everything else in this movie. Uh, you really are. Uh, you're, what you're missing is two wonderful characters who are you know, teaching each other about life and doing so in a fashion that is incredibly funny. Uh, the skinny dipping scene, which you see a little bit in the trailer, uh, builds its comic <laughs> tension in such a fantastic way to the point where when it ends, it ends in this just bizarre, exciting, strange fight <laughs> that you could never see coming. Uh, it's really fantastic. Uh, but Jennifer Lawrence is just so awesome in this movie. I love her performance. I've loved her in just about everything she does. But uh, this performance here is one of my favorites that she's done so far. Uh, she's just so talented. And I, I just love this movie a lot. Yeah, she raises the level of this movie by a lot. And the chemistry they have is her and the main actor. It, it's really what kind of puts the step above of your average, you know, comedy or dirty comedy or whatever you know like there's this in the machine is you know the quality of acting <laughs> and, <laughs> and just the boy you don't see a-list actresses doing what she did in that role uh, in that skinny dipping scene that was pretty, I mean, it was hilarious it was bold it was it was and you know it, it wasn't even really sexy it was just hilarious <laughs> which is why she yeah. did it i think and <laughs> yeah uh, just I don't know. In the way that they, when she's around him, she just—I don't know. She looks like a star, but then when she's with her friends, she just kind of looks like a. They just do a good job of the way she presents herself uh, throughout this movie, depending on the scene she's in. Uh, you know, uh, you know, being this—you know—the bar. You know, when she's around the kid, and then around her friends, she's you know, a struggling Uber driver. It, it, it's, I just think it was well-directed. It was well-written. Uh, I think they started writing it like four years ago and maybe she's aged out of the role a little bit. So then they rewrote it a little bit to make it work for her being 32 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew Broderick and Laura Benanti were great as the parents. I mean, everything about it, I just, uh, you know, the friends were hilarious. The whole thing was just, it was a ton of fun. You could tell they had fun making it all of that was captured and but it really came down to the performances really kind of raised us to be it, it mean it's your standard story of you know uh, somebody paid somebody to do something and then they find out and it still kind of stands alone uh, amongst all those other stories that are very similar jeff did you see it i did I saw all of it. Um, I didn't really expect to go into the weekend seeing two of the biggest stars in the world 
doing full frontal nude scenes, but <laughs> here we are. Um, <laughs> I thought, I thought it was very charming. The entire movie was, you know, it had a lot of heart in it. And I think that's because of Jennifer Lawrence and, uh, Andrew Barth Feldman. Um, you know, he, you kind of expected him to be kind of a, just a dork who is afraid of sex. And it just really wasn't that he, he said, you know, I just, I'm a little more romantic than that. And I want to be, you know, I want, I want to be with somebody that I care about. And she didn't really, you know, the fact that she didn't care, she, you know, she was just like, Oh, and then she heard that. And she was like, yeah, I kind of, I get that. And, when when he says to her, you know, like, okay, you know what? I, I don't want to jump into bed, but let's go on a date. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you really, I just, I saw it in him and I was like, oh, he really is a sweet kid. And his parents are just so out of touch. Like most parents that are at that level, you know, with, with a kid who they're so rich and they don't, their lives just revolve around getting him into Princeton and getting him you know, to the upper echelons and stuff that they don't actually see the kid. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's the only one who sees the kid. And that's why it hurts him so much when he finds out what's really going on. Um, you know, I just, the, some of the, the standouts, you know, besides them, Matthew Broderick was funny. He just like, he's so clueless and didn't get anything. <laughs> um, you know, I, there were, so many things in the trailer happened in the very first like 15 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. that I honestly didn't have a, much of an idea where it was going to go. I mean, right. it was, you know, it's a, it's a romantic comedy, but it's also about building a friendship and you don't really get that from the trailer. You get the, Oh my God, are they going to have sex the right. whole time from the trailer? I think this movie has my biggest laugh of the year. And uh, and it's one of those things where, uh, I you know, it's typical comedy stuff where they set something up and you know it's going to pay off. The finger trap. I knew the finger trap <laughs> yeah. was going to pay off. I did not know how it was going to pay off. And how it paid off is the biggest laugh I've had all year. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Even though they did it in the, that Eric Andre movie a year ago. <laughs> uh, but no, that was you very good. That- that guy that she went home with who put the finger trap on, I legitimately thought that was going to turn out to be her brother from the from the absentee dad. That's where I thought that scene was going because it would have just been yeah. the ultimate, you know, fuck you to this character who has spent the whole time hating on rich people because of this one guy. <laughs> well, there were several times because, like, I think Jeff made it, brought up a good point. The marketing campaign really happens right out of the gate, the first 15, 20 minutes everything else you don't really see. So there was several times where I kind of, I wrote the movie in my head to go different ways a couple different times. And I ne- but it never pulled me out of it or disappointed me that it didn't go where I wanted it to go. It could have really gone any direction. I think it would have worked. Uh, I'm glad it went the direction it did, but yeah, I, I just, it's so good. I lo- I think they should have called the movie Man Eater. Personally, is ah uh, yeah that yeah a much better title. Uh, yeah. the use of that song was fantastic. The kid's performance of that song yes. was, that yeah. was a great wow. scene. What a brilliant and, reimagining! And you know, I couldn't tell 
if she was touched or she was pissed yeah. that that's the song that he was singing. The right. look on her face was like, I, I just did not get it. Like, was, was she pissed that he was, she thought he was calling her a man eater. Um, and, you know, I think she thought maybe he figured it out mm-hmm. and that's why he was doing it. But then towards the end of it, when, you know, he got really into it and everybody was really into it. I think she, she kind of made that turn. Yeah, um, kind of understood that he meant this as as a sort of sweet callback and not uh, not an insult, but the, it plays yeah. it plays as both kind of brilliantly mm-hmm. and it kind of you know makes it even deeper. Well, and then what um, happens another, after that scene too? I think her performance really does elevate that scene. It's great. Go ahead, Jeff. My my favorite joke in the movie is when they go to meet Jody, and Jody is a guy, and she's. <laughs> When he says, you know, look, we both want the same thing for him. Oh, we, you want to fuck him too? Or no? Or she goes, yeah, I know you want to fuck him. And I lost my shit. And this lady got up and like left the theater. She goes, this is disgusting. <laughs> I mean, you sat through her doing karate chops, fully frontal nude. <laughs> and, you know, him riding around on the hood of a car nude. And that's. That's what gets you, lady. Let's let's talk about uh, sex work for a moment because there's a lot of people talking about this movie and and about sex work and and they're talking about the sex in the movie and and what happens and what I feel like happens is that we get so caught up talking about sex in a movie that we don't actually talk about sex work and why sex work happens, which this movie isn't necessarily like a going to tackle that. This is not a movie that is intended to be serious, but. Let's talk about an economy or a version of capitalism that leads us to create a situation where there are poor people who have to do sex work in order to get by. And we don't talk about the economy being bad. We don't talk about capitalism being uh, a negative uh, in this for some reason. You know, we want to shame people for, for taking part in sex work, which I certainly don't shame them. Go for it. Do you. If, it make, if you're willing to make money that way and you're capable of making money that way and it's healthy for you. We should make it as safe and healthy as possible for you to do it. But my point is, is that we've got a society that that shames people for taking part in sex work, but at the same time creates a capitalism that requires people to enter sex work in order to get Mm -hmm. by. Make up your mind. Either you fix the economy so people don't have to sell their bodies or you stop shaming them for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, when when they kind of call that out at the beginning of the movie where she's you know she's explaining to her friends that well i got to save the house and and it it doesn't even seem like i mean from my perspective i i would have sold the house you know <laughs> but I, I i get why you know she explained it later why she didn't want to sell the house and you know I, I like though that that she's not she's not caught up in the sex thing like whatever you know it's for yeah. her she is a she she is not a sexually repressed person she's very sex positive sex forward she'll have sex for the to try and save her house like that's not even a thought for her and I appreciate yeah. that that's a more modern approach to sexuality because it's really society that puts the idea that sex is so sacred uh, uh you know on on everybody's head and tries to make it. You know this thing that is almost impossible to understand and attain. When real realistically, 
anybody can have sex with anybody at any point and it's not going to harm anyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, well, go ahead, Bob. Well, they do address, you know, she does not want to have a sugar daddy. You know, they actually go out of that part in the movie where, and they kind of touch on the economy, how all the rich people have moved in and made this a tourist town and now she can't afford her house. They don't go too much further than that. But, you know, so there are standards into what she's willing to do and what she's not willing to do, which kind of help explain why, why, you know, why she wants to keep the house, why she's okay doing what she's doing. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it, they handled it fairly well. They could have made it more about the economy, I guess. But yeah. I think it, I'm talking more about the discourse around right. it. No, I get Getting yeah. caught up in the idea uh, of, of her having sex with him uh, as a 19-year-old. People want to talk about that and be distracted by that. And not talk about the fact that capitalism is what causes sex work. <laughs> There's a direct yeah. correlation between our version of capitalism and the necessity of sex work that nobody wants to talk about. What one of my friends who is a sex worker, when somebody in our friend group in New York, you know, said, "Oh my God, I can't believe that you do that." You know, you people pay for sex. And he turns around and goes, everybody pays for sex some way or another. <laughs> and I was like, uh-huh. Okay. That's definitely so, true. I mean, look at Bob. He's got kids out of it. He pays every day. <laughs> it's costing us the podcast. It's all- <laughs> <laughs> I'm really starting to... Doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. (laughs) (laughs) I just came up with a new sticker idea. How did you know the subtitle of this show? We never said that. (laughs) (laughs) What else on No Hard Feelings? It's the best comedy of the year. Yeah, it's really funny. I, I, it, it's, the favorite movie of the weekend. I mean, I only saw two, but if I had to watch, if I had to watch one of the other ones again, watch that or Asteroid City again, I'd watch this one again. This definitely has the rewatchability. Uh, yeah. And you just, you know, you don't get a lot of comedies that come to the theater anymore like this. So that's mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah. They didn't release this to streaming. And. I don't know if it takes A-list actors show. to make these movies or not, but yeah, did pretty well. This is one I want to show my nieces to embarrass them. <laughs> <laughs> it did pretty well. It did about fifteen million, which is pretty good for a movie like this. Yeah, I did. Yes. My our whole family went. Uh, <laughs> I have eleven year old. I didn't want to bring them. I knew of. I knew the graphic nudity, so I assumed there was full frontal of one of the two. Uh, if not both. And <laughs> I, I was surprised he didn't after she did it. Right. Honestly. But my wife was like, well, they're going to want to go to dinner afterwards and we can't just leave them home alone. I'm like, okay. So I got them three seats far away from us and I just prayed they didn't get in a fight. <laughs> uh, but it was, I don't know. I really did enjoy it and I definitely will be seeing it again and I couldn't recommend it more. Hopefully this leads to more comedies, but who knows? All right. Anything else on no hard feelings before we move on to our 
classic topic? Uh, no, I'm all good. All right, so we decided we were just going to talk about our favorite Jennifer Lawrence movies uh, as the classic. Do you kind of have an idea of how you want to do this, Sean, or just each of us yeah, throw out a movie? Kinda, I'll just kind of throw out a couple things that, uh, that, that for me you know, stand out. Obviously, I think uh, The Hunger Games is, is a standout uh, performance. I think all those movies are, are made better by her. Uh, I think having her in the lead as Katniss takes that from being just a, a YA novel adaptation and into being more of a, a genuine film franchise. I think she just elevates every aspect of that uh, with her presence, with her physicality, with her uh, gravitas, if you will. Uh, she's just incredibly good. And, and taking, you know, the fact that this could have been just a throwaway franchise that just, you know, makes, made, just was there to make money like the Twilight movies. Uh, Divergent. She, yeah, this is not, like, The Hunger Games is not just another YA series. It is a, it is a full-on film franchise, a genuine blockbuster franchise, because she is just that good in that role. Uh, she really gets to the heart of the uh, of the political aspects of that movie. She lives into those uh, incredibly well, and she and the movies uh, prove to be unafraid of going to those uh, political ideas, which I, I really appreciate. Even as they are still focused on making action adventure movies, uh, it's really an impressive performance and one of the first times that I was really, really impressed by an actor in, a, in the, her as an actress in a blockbuster movie. Uh, I really didn't expect her to be as good as she was. Can I ask you a question there? Because I agree with you, but at the same time, I feel bad saying it because, you know, I think Kristen Stewart's a fantastic actress, and Robert Pattinson's yeah. really good, too. I, and uh, But Twilight just sucks, and I, you know, I don't... <laughs> You know why is it that that's so bad? Is it is it possible it's story? I mean, I don't think it's them as much as uh, you know. I mean, obviously, I agree with you, Jennifer Lawrence, and I enjoy the Hunger Games, and I really don't like Divergent or Twilight or any other YA movies. But they're fantastic actors and actresses. What? Why does Twilight suck? <laughs> I think there's a. Yeah. I think the studio approach to Twilight was just we're, we're we were we're creating a marketing campaign as much as we're creating a movie. And certainly, there was some aspect of that approach to uh, to Hunger Games, but they had better directors on the Hunger Games. I think the the directors that they picked up for the Hunger Games were much more dedicated to the ideas behind it and uh, fleshing out those ideas. I also think they're better books. The Hunger Games yeah, books are yeah. better books than, by far <laughs> than the than the Twilight ones. So I think that definitely does help as well. But uh, but she is the she's for me the main reason why it works so well. No, I agree. I just felt I wanted to make sure I said Kristen Stewart's pretty good too. <laughs> yeah, they are. I mean, her and Pattinson are both great, yeah. but they're just trapped in a movie that nobody making it actually cared about, including them. They didn't really care about it. They were just like, just give me my paycheck. Yeah, like, especially I, once they became household names and they, yeah, that yeah. had to be rough. Yeah. <laughs> well, that movie for Kristen Stewart was kind of the transition movie from being a child actor to being an adult. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I, I just, I cringe when I think of that movie. Uh, my friend Rachel and I have a thing. We send pictures back and forth on Instagram of the baby from the last one. <laughs> um, and like there, people have put it through filters where it's smiling. <laughs> it's 
it's a cursed image and every time i see it i laugh uncontrollably no matter where i'm at um but i think that's the reason that that they both were kind of graduating to more adult stuff um you know but robert pattinson was in harry potter and he was good he was decent in that and then he did twilight it was like yeah, yikes. It was all um, about being a sex symbol at that point, and they became megastars, yeah. and they wanted nothing to do with being megastars. Uh, and those books are, the books are trash. They're terrible. They, spawn, they spawned the Fifty Shades of Grey um, that was fan fiction. It was fucking fan fiction, and they turned it into a this horrible, oh god, I Twilight oh, is trash. It is absolute trash, but uh, <laughs> Hunger Games is not. It happens to every actor like Pattinson, though, where where like uh, they they get put on covers of teen magazines, and then marketers get a hold of them and put them in movies like Twilight, and then they go, "I don't want to ever do this, please. I'm going to go make a Claire Denis movie now, and then I'm going to go work with Cronenberg <laughs> on something that no one's going to see." And then I'm gonna, it happened to Johnny Depp too, and it happened to Heath Ledger. Like Heath Ledger does, you know, the uh, really terrific night movie that he did. I can't remember the name of it now off the top of my head, but. Uh, becomes a huge star, becomes this like you know, all the girls love him, and then he's got to go do a bunch of other movies like that he that are just completely out there just to get away from that image that Hollywood tries to like they try to make the next best thing happen, and they put this tag on you that you're the next big thing, and and everybody who ends up in that you know being being tied to that has to try and escape it by making you know really interesting, <laughs> crazy, uh, little scene indie movies, which is actually kind of a good trend because yeah. Pattinson really did well in those movies. Well, and, and some For of the actors, like, <laughs> but, but I, to get back to the Hunger Games even, though, a lot of these actors who they really do want to act and then they get put in that kind of stuff and they have to, you know, they have to really, like, stretch. And it seems like a stretch even though it's not. Um, you know, like, all the people that were in Hunger Games, with the exception of Liam Hemsworth, went on to do really interesting things. You know, Jennifer Lawrence, obviously, she's an Oscar winner. She's done a lot of really good various movies. Um, Sean Hutcherson, is that his name? Sean? Hutcherson. Uh, who played PETA? Yeah. Josh. Josh Hutcherson. Um, see, I was within the realm of the podcast. <laughs> um, you know, he did that TV show where he, he wasn't fully frontal. He didn't do full frontal, but they put a prosthetic penis on him but he was you know it was like he was doing that weird kind of stuff after too to kind of you know break into adult roles and i don't think he's really done that but i mean look at the cast of the hunger games but just the three leads are good in it mm -hmm. uh, the supporting players in the series are amazing stanley tucci and elizabeth banks woody harrelson um you know, just, yeah you know, just so many, so many good, strong performances in that movie, and I think she rises above even the likes of like Donald Sutherland, who plays evil so well in that. Yeah, yeah, what um, a great, great counterpoint performances those two. Yeah, and her whole "fuck you" attitude throughout the, you know, once she sees what's going on in the games. And she knows that, you know, it's really, you're not going to win. Everybody is set up to lose. And that little, like, spark of rebellion that it, you know, gets going within the colonies that are within the districts, it's, 
it's all on her and she does it really really well a bravely socialist franchise when you really get down to it (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the part that nobody wants to talk about but you know (laughs) it's true uh you know we're talking about her, though. The Obviously, another performance that stands out is Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, I know Bob and I both love uh, that movie and that performance. It's such, an, it's such an anti-romantic comedy performance. Both her and Bradley Cooper are working on there. And that chemistry between the two of them is so odd and so unique, but so perfect. It just It's so fitting. Uh, obviously, she's there in many ways to serve his character. He's the one who's has kind of the broad aspects he's playing mental illness and uh and and she's kind of having to be the normal leavening aspect of that and uh but she 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 finds new interesting ways to make that character distinct opposite him without going in the same direction as him and i find that to be their their opposing energies are just so refreshing for this kind of movie mm-hmm. well and then our star power when you I mean, he became a bona fide superstar with Hunger Games. You just everything about her being a star, uh, you she can't escape it. Like maybe a Kristen Stewart can. Uh, and then when you put her in roles like Silver Linings Playbook, it 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 matters. You know, it, it's not just a, an up and coming no name person. It's you know Jennifer Lawrence from the Hunger Games. It's and then for her to be that good in it just brings me to a new level i i I don't know i just i love that movie It was my favorite movie that year uh i everything about it it's you know i don't i know david russell's kind of a dick but uh (laughs) i just that and the next one he did i think right after that with jennifer lawrence again i i think are just two of the best movies of the last 10 15 years american hustle yeah Yeah. what do you think jeff um, I liked I, I saw it in a theater and I was it was like eleven o'clock at night and I kind of was in and out of it. But um, I want to talk about Joy. That was her yeah. first like. She was carrying every little bit of it, and her in that movie reminded me of um, Julia Roberts in Aaron Brockovich. Mm-hmm. Where every every time she's on screen, you kind of lean forward a little bit. And you want to know what's what she's going to do next, and in a way, she is kind of this generation's Julia Roberts in that she's always kind of playing a version of herself. That kind of you know her brand to me is strong and stand up and gutsy, and you know she does that in joy. She's just like. Okay, I've got something, and I'm gonna I'm gonna work with it, and I'm gonna go there both on screen and off. You can kind of see, you know, see her do that. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. It is a it is a uh, a towering performance. It is like it is it is so straightforward and so uh, in your face in that way, and it's such a unique story too. Like she's. It's unfairly maligned. Honestly, that movie mm-hmm. didn't get the kind of attention it deserved. I know she did get awards consideration for that, but like truly, that movie didn't do well at the box office. But it should have. It should have done. It should yeah. have done well. It should have been a movie that everybody saw. It had a fantastic story. This amazing character that she uh, brings to life brilliantly, and it's really just deeply, deeply underrated. 
Yeah, I love that movie. She, al- she also in the um, in X Men First Class mm-hmm. um, was my favorite part of that movie. Same, you know, yeah. Her her playing Mystique as that, you know, she's afraid, she's afraid, she's afraid, and then suddenly she's like, "Why am I afraid?" I think she does that really, really well. She did it in the Hunger Games. She did it in X Men. You know, I mean, once you get towards you know Apocalypse and all, it, the whole that whole series kind of loses steam. But her performance in that first one is just she's so composed and sure of herself, and you know, there you see the reason, like her and Magneto, you see that reason why they're right. And why they shouldn't have to hide, and you know, it's. Mm-hmm. I I just I, that's one of that. She's the high point of that, um, of this prequel series, if you will. I completely agree. She is the best up. She's the best part of it, but she also stands a part of it. It feels like to me when she did that, it was kind of a step back for her, like as a because she's like a movie star. You know, she's she is going into that movie as the biggest star as the. Essentially, aside from the X Men themselves, she is the draw of it, and it almost felt like she overwhelmed the rest of the cast because they don't come up to her level in terms of star power. Nobody else rises to that level as much as McAvoy and Fassbender are great actors. I wouldn't call either of them movie star per no. se, whereas she is a both an actor and a movie star. And I felt like the whole time the balance of the entire X Men universe was off because. Uh, first of all, she's better than everybody else and more you know, magnetic than everybody else. But then in the rest of the movies, she absolutely does not want to be there, and they're basically <laughs> dragging her to the set every day. Well, you guys would know the timeline better than me, but was she filming X-Men before Hunger Games came out? I knew it was done, it was made, but had, it, had she become a star by the time she was cast as... Um, you know, not when she was cast. Yeah, not when but, she was cast. I mean, she'd done Winter's Bone by that point, and uh, right. Games was coming. The Hunger Games came out immediately after uh, First Class, uh, and then Silver Linings Playbook, and uh, then more Amer- then more Hunger Games, then American Hustle. Then it was the next X Men, and that's when she really didn't want to be there anymore. Oh, so she became a star after already being connected. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, she'd been cast. I'm trying to remember when uh, if. Was she re- was she nominated for Winter's Bone? Wasn't she? I thought yeah. so. Yeah, it was Winter's Bone. I thought, yeah, I think. Warren. You know, okay. so they knew what, they knew she was a good actress and that, you know, I think she kind of really just elevated that while everybody else was kind of just playing the, the old trilogy, so mm-hmm. to speak. Well, I mean, and you mentioned Julia Roberts. I mean, I'd also throw like Scarlett Johansson in there, maybe even Sandra Bullock. Ooh. With you know, I think she's made better choices than like Sandra Bullock and Julia Roberts. But on the talk show scene and the marketing can she's always fun to watch. Even that terrible Chris Pratt movie, the media, <laughs> yeah. the media for that was great. Their chemistry on talk shows was amazing. Movie yeah. not so much, but they had none in the movie. But <laughs> but she does such a good job of you know, like her personality is just. I mean, I just watched Hot Ones this week with her on it. And yeah. she's always like, just makes you want to watch what when you know tune into Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or wherever she's on that night. Uh, I think that you know adds to her roles too. And I, I don't know, it just matters when she gets cast in something like a Mother or a 
or like you said, Silver Linings Playbook, or even American Hustle, where it's a pretty small role, but because it's her, it matters. Yeah, and that's such an exceptionally well directed movie that he, that that her star power she's she's matched by everybody in the movie by you know Christian Bale and Jeremy Renner and Bradley Cooper and Amy Adams like they're, they're a that's all a match for each other like you can you can play a supporting role in that movie because you're not blowing else ever everybody else out of the movie with your star power because uh, and again it's so exceptionally directed as much as you know. There is a the David O. Russell problem. He is an amazing director, and that is an amazingly directed film. Uh, <laughs> uh, I want to call attention to Causeway. I'm probably like one of the few people who actually saw Causeway, which is unfortunate. Causeway is one of the best performances of her career. Uh, she plays a, an army veteran coming home. She has some PTSD issues. She's uh, very inside herself. It's not uh, the typically sort of brave performance that Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, gives in a movie she's very damaged and hurt and she develops this friendship with brian tyree henry that is just lovely where it's just it's it, it's not about sex or about them being a couple it's about them developing a friendship and an understanding together but there could be a potential romantic chemistry somewhere in there uh that's really fascinating and really well explored it's such a lovely delicate performance uh just the kind that we don't see often enough uh, and it's really just these two actors just sharing time together and getting to know each other. And uh, again, like I said, it's just the kind of story we don't tell very often. Uh, it's a brilliant movie. And, and it's on Apple. And of course, Apple does the worst job ever of marketing their movies. Mm -hmm. It's like they don't want to tell anybody that they release movies. Like You have to have the app if you want to know if we made a movie or not. <laughs> it's such a weird way to approach making movies. Uh, but it, it really, it really sucked for Causeway because that movie really deserved a lot more attention than it got. It's such an amazing performance. What else do you guys want to talk about, Jennifer Lawrence wise? Um, not Mother. Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> Same. <laughs> well, I mean, even that though, oh. I think it's so effective. Yeah, that, that's why. It's oh, not. she's amazing. I just, I was just doing a callback to the. <laughs> their fight smackdown um yeah <laughs> um incidentally she did uh she did do x-men first class first and then the hunger games came out so she was she was a name but not a, a like a no name and it was just a couple months apart so um how about don't look up mm -hmm. absolutely i I love that movie. I just thought, you know, it was like, because it encapsulated so much of what happens nowadays with politics and whatever, and how you can objectively know something is happening and half the world is going to say, no, it's not. And the looks on her face when she, she has empirical evidence that this <laughs> is happening. And it's like talking to some of my family at Christmas. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, there's literally this comet and we're all going to die. And no, no, that's, that's fake news. You know, that's fake. And the way her and her chemistry with Leonardo DiCaprio, who I don't, I don't care all that much about him, but their chemistry in that movie was off the charts. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, it was, I, 
I went to see that at the theater, even though I knew it was coming to Netflix. I was like, no, I want to I want to support that because I really like her and was not disappointed. She was just so good in it. Absolutely hysterical. I mean, her her reactions, especially on the newscast opposite, like Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry. <laughs> some, oh God, that was some good shit. <laughs> so good, but God, then Kate, but then Kate her Blanchett and Timoth- that movie, her and Timothy Chalamet were very funny together yeah. as well. Oh yeah. Oh. So I just i i will i will follow her career for the rest of my life. She's just so good. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, and and I and like you, when I said that she's this generation's Julia Roberts, is that she can pick, she picks such interesting things to do, but then even if she's just kind of playing her her own type, she's so good at that type that it it kind of takes you takes you in. Oh, absolutely. There's a movie like there's a movie like Red Sparrow, which I don't think Red Sparrow is a very good movie, but again, here she is being great in a not so good movie. Uh, yeah. It's a thriller that just doesn't quite uh, ever find its feet and and become anything more than just kind of a very basic uh, basic cable thriller. Uh, but she really she yeah. has this scene. There's this one scene in the movie where uh, she's being forced to sort of seduce. She, it's a class where she's supposed to seduce this other student. And she just she takes it to the to the next level. She strips down nude and just kind of forces him into this situation that is very awkward and very uncomfortable. It's not sexy, but at the same time, she's trying to be sexy. And the anti-chemistry of that whole situation is just so hard to watch. But it's also so fascinating because she's so challenging in that moment. I wish the rest of the movie had that kind of energy to to raise it up. But uh at least in that moment, it, it it it's sort of one of her high points. Yeah, she definitely elevated that movie to be any way better than it deserved to be. But you're right; it's not like you're. I've never gone back to that movie, and I yeah. probably will. But uh, so I was living at my my sister's house when I first moved back to the area, and I had my voodoo stuff set up on their big TV, and. My niece, who was a big Hunger Games fan, decided, oh, there's a movie with Jennifer Lawrence in it. <laughs> <laughs> she started to watch Red Sparrow. And the first time there was like full frontal male nudity, she could not believe it. And she like, she cut, she like shut it off, but she didn't know that it stays on. So I was like, who was watching Red Sparrow at dinner one night? And my sister was like, not me. My brother was like, not me. What's that about? And my niece turned Fifty Shades of Red to Sparrow. <laughs> and I was like, were you watching it, Maggie? She goes, uh, 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 uh. Well, I was. And then there was a naked guy in it. And we all had a good laugh. <laughs> That's hilarious. So what's your favorite of all of our movies? I will say that for me, it's still Silver Linings Playbook. I think uh, that movie just has a hold on me that it, that, that has remained for Eleven years now. I agree with you. I think it's my favorite as well. What about you, Jeff? Um, you know, it kind of goes between Hunger Games and Hunger Games: Catching Fire, the second one. Uh, and I those I those I have a hard time. You know, it's like Star Wars. You, it's kind of a a whole thing. Um, but like those two, or don't look up. I just every time I see a little bit of that movie i i just really love watching her in it 
I couldn't agree more. All right. In 1993, we had Sleepless in Seattle and Dennis the Menace, uh, the Tina Turner movie. I think there's something else that came out as well. Uh, what are you doing for the 93 podcast, Sean? We'll be doing uh, Sleepless in Seattle. Of course, we're, we're behind schedule because of availability. So we'll have a double episode this week of uh, Last Action Hero and Sleepless in Seattle. But uh, Sleepless in Seattle, watching again you know, 30 years later, I've seen it a few times since then, but it's, it's a little hard for me because it's, it's one of my mom's, if not my mom's favorite movie. It's one of her favorite movies, like this and every Cary Grant film and <laughs> uh, uh, Pretty Woman. Uh, were her favorite films, and so watching this, obviously, it has like references to Cary Grant and Affair to Remember, uh, which always makes me think of my mom. So uh, that part was not hard, but you know, emotional for me. So kind of made me hard, makes it hard to step aside from this movie and view it objectively. Yeah. Um, so without objectivity, I'll say it's brilliant. It's a one of the best romantic comedies ever made. Uh, it's just it's so smart and well directed and get. A, a terrific sense of humor. It's very sweet. Um, you know, it, it has some of those basic bitch elements of a ro- of romantic comedy, but you know, elevated by this group of actors who are so very, very charming. Uh, you know, Hanks and Ryan are amazing. They never share a scene together until the very end. Like <laughs> even the scene, even the brief times you see them together, they weren't actually filming together. Like they don't, they don't actually film a scene together until the very end of the movie. But, uh, one of those little, touches that just make this movie so weird and special uh meg ryan i think especially is just so very very funny in this movie she's so uh willing to look silly and willing to like she she just throws herself into being the sillier character in the movie uh you know hanks isn't exactly the alpha male but like he's like (laughs) it's the it's the most one of the more straight performances of his career in terms of not going for big laughs and that's a very interesting way to play as well uh so i love the energy of the movie i love the romance and uh because it is special to me because of my mom that just kind of makes it more even more emotional for me to watch it again that's awesome next week we've got indiana jones our classic will be all of the indiana jones uh looks like past lives may be coming out as well an a24 movie uh and then we have trying to figure out what you're doing for the 93 podcast is it son-in-law or the firm the firm okay (laughs) Uh, you never know sometimes you like to have fun and (laughs) Polly Shore doesn't get I love the firm I'm making Amy watch uh, a Tom Cruise movie is always a good thing because she hates Tom Cruise like uh, so many other people do and I'm making her watch something she doesn't like is uh, is fun for me (laughs) I hate Tom Cruise too but I love the firm Nice. Well, that's like this is the Tom Cruise I like is the movies like The Firm, which he hasn't really done in forever. So it might be fun to go back and see that one. All right, what do you guys want to run through flick chart? Uh, how about Silver Lightning's Playbook? All right. the hell what's wrong i can't find where to do it that's weird yeah i don't see it either 
How strange. Oh, because you're not logged in. <laughs> Re-rank this movie. Silver Linings Playbook or The Rainmaker? Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Silver Linings Playbook or The Boston Strangler? Silver Linings Playbook. Yep. SLP or American <laughs> Beauty? Silver Linings Playbook. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Blazing Saddles or Silver Linings Playbook? That's tough. That one's a tough Blazing one. Blazing Saddles. Um, yeah, I guess. Blazing Saddles, yeah. I'd probably watch that one first. I'll go Honestly. Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, Misery, Silver Linings Playbook. Silver Linings Playbook. Misery. I'll go Silver Linings Playbook. Dial M for Murder or Silver Linings Playbook. Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, if it was uh, if it was the perfect murder, the remake, I would pick that. I just love that movie so much. But. Silver Linings Playbook or Ocean's Eleven? Silver Linings Playbook. Ocean's Eleven. I like that movie. I do, and I'd probably watch it first, but I really like Silver Linings Playbook a lot. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire or Silver Linings Playbook? Silver Linings Playbook. Harry Potter. Silver Linings Playbook. Lethal Weapon or Silver Linings Playbook? Silver Linings Playbook. Silver Linings Playbook. I'll go, I'll go Lethal Weapon on that. <laughs> uh, Silver Linings Playbook, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Silver Linings Playbook. Weird. Harry Potter, that's one of my favorite of that movie. This is odd that it would come up here this much. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them, though. I'll go Silver Linings Playbook. Insomnia, Silver Linings Playbook. Silver Linings Playbook. Insomnia. Silver Linings Playbook. We moved it up to 176. <sighs> Anything else you want to run through, or do you want to run and just kind of play it random? random? Manchester by the Sea, end of watch. Manchester end by of the watch. I'll go Manchester by the Sea. Casey Affleck. Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny, Slither. Tenacious D. Slither. (laughs) I'm a big Tenacious D fan. Uh, Olympus has fallen, Hellraiser. 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 That's fine. Aaron Brockovich, Roxanne. (laughs) Aaron Brockovich. Aaron Brockovich by far. That's a background movie for me. That's one of those ones I can I can fall asleep to any night of the week. Backdraft, Grizzly Man. Grizzly Man. Grizzly Man. Yep. Eight-legged freaks escape from the planet of the apes. Escape from the planet of the apes. Yep. Agreed. The Suicide Squad 2021 House on Haunted Hill. House on Haunted Hill is actually pretty good. It really is. Yeah, I think that's what I'm Sure. I'll go there, too. I didn't really like the 2021 Suicide Squad. Wrong turn, Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool. Agreed. 
Blues Brothers 2000, Star Trek 2009. Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Time Bandits, Mr. Deeds. Time Bandits. Oh, <laughs> uh, Bob, let's pick Mr. Deeds just to fuck with Sean. I will. No, it's Time Bandits. <laughs> Kick ass 28 Days Later. Kick ass. 28 Days Later. God, that's hard. It is. That's what she it said. Easy. It wasn't an easy choice. You, I answered pretty quick, though. I'm going to go 28 Days Later, but it's really, really close. Black Snake Moan, Planet of the Apes, 1968. Planet of the Apes. Yeah, Planet of the Apes. Agreed. Facing Your Danger. I've never heard of it. Or Bicycle Thieves. I've never heard of it. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. Oh, okay. All right, let's up against Hot Shots. What do you like better? (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll vote for it. You guys can vote for Hot Shots. Well, we haven't seen it, so I'll I'll let you vote alone. Yeah. I don't want to vote against it just because I, I like hot right. shots. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Grown Ups. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Role Models, Are We There Yet? Role Models. <laughs> Role Models by a far, far lot. Wetlands, Sleepless in Seattle. I've not seen Wetlands. Man, this is listening to us, though. Jesus. Yep. A Perfect World, Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah, I agree. Jaws two, Doctor Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, two thousand. Jaws two, Jaws two, just had its anniversary. Midnight in Paris, Silver Linings Playbook. That is tough. That is tough for me. Um, because I love Midnight in Paris a lot. That movie's fantastic. I'll go Silver Linings Playbook. So well, even I- though it has Owen Wilson in it, I'm gonna go Midnight in Paris. I'm going to go with Swirling's Playbook. The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, or Manchester by the Sea. Manchester by the Sea. The Hobbit. Like I said, fuck Casey Affleck. I'm going with Manchester by the Sea. Barton Fink, Mumford. That's tough for me, too. I, Mumford is a deeply underrated movie. That movie's been yeah. bad. Um, I'm going to go Barton Fink. Yeah, Barton Fink. John Turturro at, at like peak hotness. <laughs> That's not why I picked it, but just... Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, 1939, The Great Escape. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Great Escape. So dumb and fun. I'm going to go with Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. In Good Company, Saw 4. Saw 4. Yep. That's when I turned off the Saw movies. Suicide Squad, 2016, Spotlight. 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 Yeah. Diary of a Mad Black Woman, Fireproof. Diary of a Mad Black Woman. You sure? Fireproof. I hate Taylor <laughs> Perry so much. But, but it's fireproof. Fireproof. I don't care. Fucking garbage. I don't even. I've never seen it, but I will pick that over anything Taylor Perry <laughs> touches. I really feel like if you see it, you'll Diary of a Mad Black Woman. <laughs> There are two movies going on there that he slapped together with like masking tape. Like it's just bizarre. Like there's this movie out. There's a serious movie happening about this woman who's being abused by her husband, and then in comes this guy in a dress with a fucking chainsaw to cut up the fucking furniture. Like it's so fucking weird that I kind of admire it. On well, fire, you know that. Oh, go ahead. 
the the thing about Tyler Perry is he does, you know, he's like super conservative, yet he dresses in drag, and that's fine. That's fine. Him and drag is fine with everybody, but if Sasha Colby does it, then I don't know. Just I, he just bothers me so much. But Fireproof is one of those religious, super super right wing movies that I oh, can't yeah. stand. Oh, I don't. For camera fishing with Gandhi. Oh, is it, is it, I, like I said, I've never seen it. I'm still. You guys can vote. Both vote for Diary of Black Mad Woman. Young Adult or The Fisher King. Young Adult. Yeah, Young Adult. Agreed. Gone Girl, Benny and June. Gone Girl. Yep. Agreed. Thor: The Dark World, Rambo Three. Thor: The Dark World. Uh, yeah, yeah. Agreed. The Craft, War of the Planet of the Apes. War for the Planet of the Apes. You know, we I'm going to pick that too, but while we're talking about Rambo, the Rambo movies are the distillation of Sel- Sylvester Stallone's wide swing from the left to the right. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, he goes from like, uh, you know, Vietnam veteran who is, you know, got PTSD and all that. And it, you know, the, there's not enough stuff out there for, for us. And by the third one, he's just mowing down commies and <laughs> with muscles, like, like, yeah, it's they, so regular. The, uh, the ultimate mission creep. It begins like with the mission. Oh like yeah. Showing the desperate uh, times of veterans to the point that push them to a point where they become incredibly violent and desperate. Versus just I'm now I'm the symbol of Reagan's America. Like so Exactly, weird. exactly. The same Reagan's America that is doing horrific damage to the very veterans he claims to be representing. Thank you. That's what that's thank you for distilling my point. <laughs> <laughs> it's still like one and two. But yes, I agree. All right, do we wrap it up on that? Yes, let's wrap it up on that. All right. Because I don't want to vote on the next one. All right. (laughs) See you guys next week. Thanks. See you. See you later, Dr. Jones.